Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Iron and Soul podcast. I'm super excited today to have my buddy Joe on. We um, met, I don't know, in the fall and hit it off pretty well. But we are going to talk about plant medicine today and our journeys with that, um, our journeys maybe forward with that in how we think about um, plant medicine and its uses in mental health challenges, its uses in um, just um, going to the edge of the universe and figuring our shit out. So um, I'd like to welcome Joe to the podcast. Howdy, howdy. How's it going today, bud? Man, I'm feeling good. Feeling I'm pretty feeling good? good. Yeah. 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 Feeling all right in the apocalypse? You know, it's I work a lot in the apocalypse and so I'm out there in the world and I don't I don't think I feel the same pressure of the loneliness that everybody else feels because I'm just out in the world every just day. Out, out the as, world. as a paramedic. As yeah. a paramedic. Um, yeah, so Joe is a paramedic and has not had to uh, um, quarantine or lockdown or whatever he is what we call an essential worker so um so thanks for being on yeah, and pleasure. um thanks for um, being vulnerable and um having this conversation on um the podcast to our one listener who yeah. um i think is pretty relatively um uh, open-minded to the uh the things we're going to talk about today so they're gonna um, have to be they're gonna have to be pretty open-minded i followed anthony who mm-hmm. was you know he's a businessman working in uh PTSD with veterans and dogs like that guy's dope yeah that was a great story Jill like I had to to pause that podcast like three or four times yeah listening to what she was saying about suffering and whatnot that that had me going yeah and then you know a doctorate in evolutionary biology and then me some guy that did drugs one time yeah exactly (laughs) whatever I'm in (laughs) so um shit this is gonna age me a little bit but I took LSD acid um, I think when I was 15 years old was the first time. I think that's the age. It's been a long time, but, um, wow. What a mind opening, um, experience that was, especially for a 15 year old, yeah. um, small town, Kansas. Um, what, what, what was really interesting about taking acid for the first time is I wasn't, I I mean, I wasn't, I was scared because I was scared like, Oh, what's this going to do? But I wasn't scared. Mm -hmm. I just, I was like, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Let's go down this thing. And I loved every second of it, even though it was really super scary, but why, um, why this seems like a crazy question to ask somebody of our age, what you were doing at 15, but why did you take it? Um, why did I take it? Um, I think it was just, uh, because of my, friend group were experimenting it was, with it was acid. cool and let's go play it was not I mean, necessarily that's... cool like i wouldn't go down the route where we're like oh it's cool to do it i think we we're all like oh there somebody has can get acid i want to take let's try it and some of my friends had tried it even before Adventure me them, yeah. and i was even envious that they got to do it the two weekends mm-hmm. before i did because i was not hanging out or i was in trouble or whatever um so I grew up in small town, Kansas, so we didn't have lots of things to do. Either you did sports or you skated or you did drugs or, you know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of in between. So I ran with a crowd that we just experimented with all kinds of things. And so we just decided we we're going to take LSD. And then eventually we just took it a lot. You know, that was my sophomore year in in high school. And then from then on, I just, we, whenever we could right. get it. 
we do it. Wasn't like so, one of the one of the main manufacturers of LSD in central Kansas? Yeah, in the world. Wichita, I believe. Yeah. Yep. yep. There were some big busts back in the 90s. Yeah. Yep. So we had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's when I first started taking. And I remember um, hallucinating for the first time, like, going, that is that what a strange experience to to see something that nobody else could see so yeah yeah i didn't like i didn't get that as much i was like i i think i tried weed in high school a couple of times and i never really liked it i was always a drinker mm-hmm. and so I, I wasn't anti-drug i just i didn't have any drugs around me that that sounded fun mm-hmm. and i'm not even sure when i first experimented but what I remember is getting out of the Navy and being a little lost about where I was and where I was going and what to do with my life. And, uh, it was again, dating ourselves a little bit. It was right mm-hmm. when the rave scene started coming up. And oh, yeah. so we started doing ecstasy is mm-hmm. what we called it. Yep. And, and it was great. Like it, like that's what that drug was built for is loud, crazy music all night long. Right. Which it goes hand in hand, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't what I was looking for. It, right. I wanted it. And I, I, I think I wanted to believe that if I kept pushing in, that I would eventually get to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't, it wasn't there for me. I think. Do you mean pushing in with ecstasy to yeah. figure out where it is? And it yeah. just never got it. Yeah. Got to it. yeah. Like I could see like now there's all kinds of studies being done with therapists and with psychologists that will help you use MDMA to cure they're using cure ptsd and whatnot Mm. and i could feel how that would help but i had no guidance it was like giving a two-year-old the keys to a bulldozer right like they have no idea what they're going to do with that thing and i didn't at the time and so i i did that for a little while and i was like i'm not getting anywhere with this and i moved on um i didn't i didn't experiment a lot with other hallucinogens for quite a while um, started doing some studies a little bit, like just personal, like listening to podcasts and whatnot, um, before I got deeper into it. So your idea of like looking at in, into, um, plant medicine or hallucinogens or whatever we want to call it right this second was more about, um, kind of finding your, your personal therapy in some, in some senses of that. Is that, would that be a, yeah, I don't think it was a therapy. I, it was a, uh, experimental adventurism I guess like I wasn't I wasn't just trying to get high I wanted to like I wanted to see what the world had to provide well and if let, you go ahead well let's t- let's talk to our one listener a little bit about what um hallucinogens and and I've never done ecstasy so I don't know what that's um personally like but like when you do mushrooms or or LSD it's not it's not getting high in the sense of the buzz you get from like drinking or right. smoking weed or things like that. it's a, it's not even, I don't even say, I don't even, when I even talk about or think about, it, I don't even think about it being high. Right. I think about another dimension. Right. So for me, I want to just let people know that like what you're saying about not searching to get high, it's not, we don't, we don't use plant medicine. Um, and I haven't used plant medicine in a long time, um, almost 20 years, but it's not about being high. It's about finding something. Yeah. Right. It, it does. It does feel good. <laughs> sure. Sure. And so you can like it, that potential is certainly there to mm-hmm. just get high and have fun. But 
I think even people that do it just to have fun realize that there's there's a lot more to it than right than just that. Yeah, it's not like so. I I'm in. I'll be June. I'll be celebrating 20 years in recovery. So alcohol and coke for me is getting high, right? There's something that you're chasing with that, mm-hmm. right? I think when when I was on mushrooms or LSD, I was I was having a feeling, right? Like there's to me there's. I don't know if you've ever experimented with any of any other things, but like for me, there's just an absolute difference in the way your body feels. Yeah. And even with weed, like um, you're high, but it's just a whole different yeah. realm, I think. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when did you start after the, the with dealing with ecstasy or, or experiment with ecstasy and then trying to figure out what to do next when did you when did you find the next thing it the, my next step was probably in seattle's uh went out to seattle to live with my wife out there she was dancing out there and um we messed around with mushrooms out out, out there at i would say mid to moderate levels and really open eyes okay. where i was like oh there's there's a lot of work to be done here and okay. I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know who to talk to. The only people that were out there that were doing it, were just trying to get as high as they could. Right. And, you know, they, which is fine. That's, I, I encourage that. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. It wasn't what, it just wasn't what I was looking for. And so, um, that was, that was one of the times where I remember, this is, this is going to sound weird. I remember okay. looking up at a statue of Jesus. We were walking, we were just, pretty high on mushrooms and walking through the uh, Seattle and came across a church. And I looked up at the, this giant statue of Jesus. And I was just confused. I was like, this seems so silly. It just right. like, it doesn't, I can't figure out in my head. Like right now I can make that window a door. I can make the sidewalk, uh, the universe. I can do anything I want in my head right now with these drugs, but I can't make that dude real. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. Right. And I remember looking down in the, the front door, of the church was locked and I was like, Oh, is that, is that a sign? <laughs> like, <laughs> you right? know, I mean, but it, that was the first time I was like, I, I need to change my mind and there's, there's work to do. And this is how I'm going to change my mind. And I think when that you was, say change your mind. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, that's a good question. What do I mean by that? I mean, we were told, especially through the eighties and nineties that drugs are bad. Just say no, Nancy Reagan. Man, and it was, you take you take LSD one time and you could go over the edge and never come back. Oh, shit, yeah, right? right? Like, we all believe that. Mm-hmm. My family still believes that. <laughs> Part of, yeah. some of my family still believe that. Right. And that was kind of scary. And right. the first time I realized, this isn't, this isn't scary. This is, uh, this is enlightening. And when right. does, when does enlightenment become dangerous? That seems scary. That seems like a ludicrous thing to right to embrace, and so I was like, "This is I need to I need to change my mind. I need to change right. my mind about a lot of things. Not like, is Black Sabbath evil music? No, 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 no it's not. <laughs> you know, is is uh, Salvador Dali? Is that gonna you know if you look at that too much? I, I needed to change my mind about a lot of things. Right. So you you were you were you were kind of shedding that that skin. Uh, from the old ways of how we grew up in this conservative idea of what drugs were, what drugs could be used for, things right. like that, right? Right. I never, <clears throat> what's interesting about that is uh, 
I always thought that was bullshit from the very beginning. Really? When I heard Nancy Reagan, there was something about that, that, and I am also a recovering drug addict. So <laughs> let's, um, let's be clear here, but I always, I, I call bullshit early on. Like whether you're an addict or not, or use drugs, recreation, it's still your choice to do it. Do I want my kids to use drugs? Of course not. Right. Not till they're of sound mind and age and choose, um, things that enlighten their brain, like you said, right. Enlighten their, their spirituality. Um, but it's also their body and it's their choice, right? So how am I, you know, to have the government to me, tell me that you should just say no, and this is your brain on drugs and blah, blah, blah. Obviously we know that there's lots of terrible things out there. When would you put your kids in therapy? What's that? When would you put your kids in therapy, like sitting down with somebody to talk about their problems? We already have. So, so then like um, you're, you're, you're using somebody else to kind of adjust their mindset. Right. But so, but what we do know about the brain and we, what we do know about male brains is male brains don't mature until about 24. So about 24, they've stopped their kind of, um, uh, growth in the sense of damage, right. Mm-hmm from what can happen with um, alcohol, drugs, things like that. We know that in the science world. So that's why it's important. I, I have this conversation with my oldest um, a lot is, okay, I'm not saying don't use drugs. What I'm saying is right now your brain is still mush and you're still formulating a lot of your uh, maturity levels. You know, your hormones are still off, things like that. I said, when you're 24, right, that's, that's, Obviously, that's an arbitrary like age because of that, but it's that's roughly what science is telling us. I said, in those years, experiment, have some fun, do that stuff, but know that you come from a family of addicts, right? So use use your mind wisely and choose the the effective ones. And I'll be open to talk to you about any of that as you want. I'm not like I'm not any part expert, <laughs> right? I've no I've you know, no science background. I don't know, but I, I wonder about your ability to learn a language at a young age. Like that's input you're Mm -hmm. taking. I have enough faith in the plant medicine that I feel like mushrooms with a guide for a young person. I have not done this with my kids Mm -hmm. because I don't know. Right. But I don't, I don't understand how that would be bad to open the, kids eyes to a different dimension and to a different sense at a young age be like oh yeah of course at 10 years old 15 years old like why not great question i don't I know no idea either right? no idea um but what we do know about uh, marijuana is there are certain um pieces of that plant medicine for certain ailments in kids we know with seizures that it's an right. effective use of treating seizures right. and it's also can be a um, a psychotropic, right? Like you can hallucinate on weed, right? If you take enough, it can get you high and we're using it f- to help kids. So if here's a thought, right? I'm not saying I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a university, hopefully someday that will take this science on a kid that, that has had lots of abuse in their um, life at an early age. And all of a sudden at 13 has the ability to under um, guidance, take mushrooms or do whatever to help them with that trauma. God, I hope that that's something they can do to, amazing. to, to, um, to help them because I, not to, not to go down too much of a rabbit hole of, of trauma in the, in 
coronavirus and COVID and all that shit is that I just read a statistic. Uh, abuse of children has gone up 400% in the last two months. 400% of kids being left at home with parents that abuse them because they're not safe because schools are closed, after school activities are closed, daycares are closed, things like that, and they're being abused 400% more. Man, that... That's devastating. Yeah, but... And then I can go down the rabbit hole of the deaths. But whatever. We're right. going to circle back around. <laughs> um, so when you were... Um, when you first took that dose, you said it was... what? Did, how did you phrase it? You said it was... It was a relatively good dose, but it wasn't enough or something like that. I can't remember how you phrased yeah, it. Mid to moderate, I mid called to it. Mid to moderate, yeah. Uh, and since since then, much more recently, I've found that like I, I deal with the same sober issues that you deal with. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to like, I'm I'm real hesitant about taking the drugs, mm-hmm. the medications, whatever you want to call them, because I don't want to be I don't want to be drunk. I don't want to be right. unsober. Mm-hmm. So how do I, how do I take hallucinogenics and still maintain my sobriety? Right. I think that's a really difficult question. So how I do it is, you know, you think about your set and your setting and your dose. And so the set is, the set is your mindset about what you're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. If you're going into it, just to like escape where I'm at right now and, and just get as high as I can. Maybe that's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. If you sit down with a mindset of like, let's, let's try and go in and, you know, whatever it is, even if it's just, I had a lot of uh, difficult calls this week and I need to maybe flush those out a little bit. That's a set. And then you go to the right place and then you do the right dose. Well, what is the right dose? If you're only taking a quarter of a, your normal dose, mm-hmm. then you're just getting a nice buzzy feeling, but you're not getting into that area where healing can be done. Right. So Terrence McKenna, I believe it was Terrence McKenna said five dried grams, which mm-hmm. is a lot of mushrooms. That is a lot of mushrooms. But he said, that's where you start. Mm-hmm. That's where you start. That's where you're going to start getting over that edge of just getting high and getting into that healing part of your brain where you can actually see your trauma and grab your trauma and throw that trauma in the garbage can or deal with it or fold it into origami or whatever you're going to do, mm-hmm. you're not going to get there. So where I get hesitant about, maybe I'm not taking, you know, maybe I'm taking too much. Okay. I, I feel like sometimes the answer is you're not taking enough. You need to like, if you're going to go, if you're going to do work, go all the way in, okay. which is a hard thing to do for somebody that is the, battling with sobriety well what, what what is your thought on this here here's here's see i like where you're going with that idea of the the mount right like if you do more than five grams or or and continue more than five grams to go for healing and you know that you're going to try you're you're going into the you're going into the dark hole right to grab the thing that's 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 eating you in reality right not that mushrooms isn't reality, but you understand what I'm saying. Like you're going into the rabbit hole to get that trauma Mm -hmm. that's bugging you when you're not on mushrooms. Right. And then there's microdosing, right? This idea of like just taking enough. So the world just seems a little brighter and a little more happy. Right. Cause people are really into that. And I have no judgment of that. That sounds 
fantastic because the world today, whether you, you believe it or not is, um, kind of a weird place to be. It's yeah, it's a little chilly in here. Sorry. Um, so if people can have to take a little bit of microdosing to, to, yeah, I'm a hundred percent on like a hundred percent on board. I, like I have friends that, that do microdose on a, mm. on a regular basis. You know, they'll do two weeks and then they'll go off and they'll do two weeks and then go off. And that's great. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I haven't tried that with myself. I can't, I'm not really in a place where I can do two weeks straight of, right. of psilocybin. I right. can't do that before I go to work. That like, I can't yeah. even comprehend what that would be like. Right. Um, and for us that are sober, right. That are, that are in the realm of trying to be sober. Right. That's to me, as much as I wish I could probably do that, I wouldn't probably do that because that would be against this. I, for me, um, spiritually against this idea of being sober. If right? That feels the same way for me. Yeah. So, um, when, when a couple of things I want to kind of grasp with you or chat with you about is like, when did you become sober? Right. Like the idea of not using alcohol or any other type of drugs and then your battle with starting to take, not battle, your dip into, um, experimenting more with, um, plant medicine. Uh, jujitsu got me sober. Okay. Uh, and it, and I, I feel guilty about it. My brother had a real hard time with mm-hmm. sobriety, with, uh, pharmaceuticals and cigarettes and booze and uh, really suffered like really went through the gutter and had to drag himself out and uh, it was tough on him it was tough on everybody and uh, he was able to get himself out and he my brother's the toughest guy I know he just literally at one point was like oh, cold turkey that's it and he when he goes cold turkey it's like 1000 percent mm-hmm. all in and he did and he's been sober a year longer than me. So I think six or seven years now. Okay. And I was just starting jujitsu and I I could feel like it was, it was hard to roll the next day after I've been drinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. You don't have the energy. You're just getting your ass kicked. It just sucked. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And so on my birthday, we went down to Mexico in January of 15. I think, I think, and it might've been 14. I don't remember. And I bought a bunch of real nice mezcal and brought it up. And for my birthday, we made pozole and we drank a couple of bottles of this real nice mezcal. And I woke up the next day and I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Oh, wow. And it was just like, I didn't, I didn't have a wicked hangover. I didn't like, I didn't make a fool of myself. There was no, there was no gutter (laughs) for me, which is like, I feel I think one of the, one of your themes is like, I felt spoiled. Like it was so easy for me. Like I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I just like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Jujitsu had a lot to do with that. It made it real easy to not drink when I had jujitsu the next day. I'm like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to mess up my jits for tomorrow. Like, right. no, I'm going to be like, Carl's coming after me tomorrow. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? <laughs> if I, I got to take every <laughs> single bit of myself to like survive what he's going to give me tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the things when I talked to addicts and this happened to me, um, it was like a switch went off in my brain. Like it just, it, it wasn't easy to be sober. It wasn't easy to do the work, but when I wanted to be sober and when I was done, it was like, it was like a light switch. Yeah. I just switched it. You have to want to. Yeah. 
Does that the same, do you feel like that was the same for you when that happened? And it sounds like that could have been the same for your brother as well. Like there's just a switch that happened and then he did all the work, but it's still, he was done, done. Yeah. It, there was a, I think there was a switch for him. You'd have to talk to him, but Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a switch for him. And then there was some dragging through the gutter before, before he realized that nobody else is going to do it Mm -hmm. for him. He tried AA and he tried other programs and he tried retreats. He tried doctors. Doctors would literally, you know, he'd be like, I'm having a hard time with sobriety. And be like, here, try some more drugs. Some <laughs> and he was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right. I think he he went to a doctor one time and was talking about his depression and, and his anxiety. And the doctor said, well, how, you know, how much are you drinking? He's like, I don't know, like a week, like maybe 50 drinks a week. And the doctor was like, okay, that's probably fine. Here, try this. And he was Jesus like, Christ. he's like, I just told you I do seven drinks a night and you didn't blink an eye. Yep. Here's more drugs. Here's more drugs to, this, it'll be okay if you drink five drinks and have this. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you can't. Oh, right. And that. so he, I think somewhere right around that point, yeah. he was like, nobody else is going to do this but me. Nope. And so he just was like, that's it. That's it. Everybody out of my way, I'm doing this. And he just did it. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. it's awesome for you. Congratulations on yeah. Thank you. Six, seven years or what it is now. Yeah, it's, so. it's real difficult because like I say, like I say I'm sober. Like I don't drink alcohol, mm-hmm. but you I take mushrooms. I take mushrooms I've, and I've done ayahuasca. Right. But, but that's an interesting debate, right? Because you and I've had several, um, many conversations offline about my thought process on trying to go back down this road and having, because 20 years is a long time. Yeah long fucking time to um, obviously there's caffeine in there and nicotine that I've television did, phones right all that shit um, but I want to I want to get back to the center of the universe right whatever that looks I don't I want to see behind the curtain again I want to um, I know that there's more out there I know that there's more in my brain to, oh, yeah. to think about and to push the realms of of reality right I can't do that I'm, I'm not going to do that through yoga. It's just, it's just, I'm, I'm not that person, right? Like I wish I could be, I wish I was that, whatever that comedian's name is that talks about, uh, yoga and hallucinating on yoga. Oh God. He's Duncan Trussell? No, um, brand Russell, Br- oh, Russell right. brand. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wish I could, I could be that dude that could do that. I, it's, it's just not gonna to be happen. clear. It, it can be done. It's it, very, it's very possible. It but, is. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not going to be able to do that. I mean, I could. I don't want to go down that road. I have other things that I I want to spend my time doing. Right. Um, But I feel like I need to get back there somehow. And and it's not that I need. And we'll talk a little bit more about like what your healing adventures have been like or your healing experiences have been like. I don't necessarily feel like there's any healing for me that needs to be done in the sense of like mental health challenges and, and, and traumas and things like that. It's more about continuing to open my eyes to this, the universe, sure. right? Being sure. more available to the universe, being more available to, um, different dimensions, things like that. I think, and I think that can count as healing in my mind. That counts as healing. Like just well, because yeah. you're, I mean, I guess you're right. Just cause you feel good and you're not traumatic doesn't mean you can't, heal yourself and make yourself better like why do you keep right. working out right right like you're strong you're super strong bro you're right. way stronger than me 
but you keep working out. Why are you doing that? Yeah, that's. I like that point. That's a great point. I'll have to. I'll have to start thinking about reframing it that way because that's part of the thing that gets in my way, right? I'm not. I'm not using it as medicine or to get better. So why would I want to do it, right? I put that wall right. in front of me because of my sobriety. So maybe I need to think about it like a little bit different. Yeah. So, um, when you started down the the mushroom experience, was it due to due to? I'll just get. I'll just put it out there and you can, you can tell me fuck off or whatever. Was it due to trauma? Like, did you, did you have trauma in your life that you needed to feel like you needed to heal from? Or what was, what was the reason that you wanted to, to experiment that way? And I guess in this, this second round of psilocybin experience that I've been, I've been messing around with. Uh, yeah, that's where it came from. I, you know, listening to Aubrey Marcus and Joe Rogan and mm-hmm. listening to them talk about it, how it's a medicine. We, we said for a minute, like trying to, trying to call, like it, it makes me cringe when we call mushrooms drugs, <laughs> right? Because right. it like meth is a drug, right? Like that's bad for you. Yes. And psilocybin is like closer to kale than it is to meth, right? Right. It's not a like it. It like kale will make you feel better. So will psilocybin, right? Right. And I wanna I wanna just say something to our listeners right here and right now about the difference between meth and, and mushrooms. If, if you're struggling out there about, oh, these two guys are talking about using drugs and all that stuff, meth is manufactured in um, with battery acid, Sudafed, all kinds of shit that you put in your brain. Mushrooms come from the earth, okay? How many times do people get transported to the hospital via police or ambulance on mushrooms. Probably not very many. How many on meth? A whole fucking bunch. Yeah, most. Yep. Yeah. Either by death or right. whatever. Yep. So let's get that straight listener. But, yeah. It's they're not the same thing right. at all. They're not the same thing at all. So uh, I've been a paramedic. I got, let's see, 2006. Okay. Since, and I did Oakland, California and I did Topeka and now uh, Johnson County. Uh, and there's trauma there. There's low level trauma there. It's not like there's been a lot of significant major trauma that I'm scarred for, you know, like for real, but there's from the work. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. From calls and people I've yeah. had to deal with and things that I've seen. And, uh, and you, as a paramedic, there's just, just toughen up, just toughen up. That's part right. of our job. Right. That's what you signed up for. You're you not know? supposed to be weak. Yeah. And so just yep. put up those giant walls and keep building those walls and don't let that stuff get out. And I realized pretty quick that that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> and so it was always, you know, ambulance time. We'd get done with the call and windows would go up and it was free form. Like say whatever you need to say, cried, whatever you want to do. We got 15 minutes and then, and then we can move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I realized that work had to be done. And I, I feel like once I got access to the psilocybin again, I was like, I'm going to just try this and I, I dipped my toe in and I moved slowly into it which I don't in hindsight I don't think it's the right thing because I think one of the things you're trying to do is uh, engage your fear right. and if you're if you're trying to tiptoe into the cold water you're not doing it you're not engaging your fear you're let you're let you're becoming adjusted to your fear right I feel like you got to get all in if you're gonna do it I feel like you got to get all in again not an expert in any way, right. <laughs> but I feel like if you're going to do, you know, 
a little dab here and there, you're, you're going to feel good. You're not going to get any work done. You're not going to embrace your fear. You're not going to go anywhere. Well, we could say that, right, in just regular talk therapy, right? You're not going to get to the meat of what's going on if you just dabble and sit there and right. just and try and be polite and, and not worry about offending about somebody whatever because i'm a bullshit i'm a bullshit meter right, right. like i'm mean, like and then you know you got to sit through it and you got to get to it right you got to dive in right? mm-hmm. so so get in okay so you so when you first started you were just kind of you're sticking your toe in All right so my brother like my brother is a like he's always been an inspiration for me but it's, it's older also, or younger he's two years younger two years younger okay. but we've got that sort of twin connection okay. where we would like, we, I started jujitsu and about a month in my brother called and he's like, so what have you been up to? I'm like, dude, check this out, man. I started jujitsu. And he's like, what? It's like, yeah. Like I got this little weird gym that they, I'm training some jujitsu over at the CrossFit gym. It's been crazy. He's like, I started jujitsu last week. No shit. I was like, what? And so like our wow. paths went really similar that way. And that's pretty fun. And so we did a similar thing with psilocybin where I called him up and I'm like, so yeah, I, I, I like coming from a point of sobriety. I like, I feel like I need to share this with you that I've been trying this. And he's like, well, I have too. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I, I was really worried about talking to him about it. Cause I was, I didn't want to trigger anything, you know, but, right. but or be judged, right. Or be judged. I, I, my, I don't care if my brother judges okay. me, but, um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, I guess maybe be judged. I, I, like I try and I try and say one, but I didn't want him to think I was weak and you know fell off the wagon or something. Right, I guess, right, right, yeah. Um, so we talked about it, and it was it was crazy to the comparison wow. that we both walked down that same path together. We we do that crap all the time. Where I go out to visit him, and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll put on clothes and I'll go out and we're wearing the exact same outfit. And like, <laughs> Are you shitting me right now? Come on, bro. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Brothers, two years apart. Yeah. That, that would, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty tight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so he recommended, he recommended going big or going home. Okay. Which is scary. Okay. Which is scary. Why is it scary? Ah, yeah. You know, like you gotta, you gotta stand on the edge of that dock and take one big step into the water Okay. and that's it. And so do you know it's scary because you've done that much before? Or do you know it's scary because yeah. everybody's told you it's scary? Yeah, see, I'm not. I wasn't scared about the the journey. I wasn't scared about the ceremony or the journey of, okay. of psilocybin. I was scared about this, telling people and talking to people about it. I was scared about. Um, I was scared about. Am I going to be a? You know, am I going to be a mushroom head now? Is that? Is that? You know, right. like, what is my? What is my life going to become? And I think that's what a lot of people are scared about LSD and mushrooms and Aya. And like, I know that when I was getting ready to take Aya, there was a long uh, build up to it. Like there's ceremony you do for weeks on end before the actual ceremony. And I just had it in the back of my head. Like Aya's going to tell me that I don't need to be with my wife anymore. Oh, and I was terrified. Shit. I was terrified. I was so scared. I was like, please, please, please don't do that. And that, it's nothing like that. Right, <laughs> right? Right. It's we, absolutely nothing. Like it's, right. it's healing. It's not, it doesn't direct you and tell you it heals you. And right. so like it was, it was absurd. That's and so, funny that you, I, that you said that because I've been, I've been dabbling with wanting to take mushrooms again. And then eventually I am going to go to Peru and, and take and do the whole ayahuasca um, 
ceremony thing and we just haven't figured out when i mean fucking covid fucked that up a yeah. little bit but uh um i had this thought i think it was sunday i was sitting in my um chair and um there's a new uh documentary on netflix about psychedelics and there's and each like a, they tell their story of psychedelics so stings on it um some different comedians it's it's i haven't finished the whole thing but uh because Jax was giving me a little trouble about it, so I just had to watch it without <laughs> right. that. But I was sitting there, I was like, "Ooh, if I take mushrooms again, what if what if Jill doesn't like me anymore? Or what if da da da?" And then you saying that has been really validating because that's kind of like a real surface level yeah. bullshit thing it's that you bullshit. think about, right? Yeah. Like it's only going to make love deeper, right? It doesn't one hundred percent, right, yeah. right, right. So that's funny. Um, I mean, it's it's legal in. Ayahuasca is legal in Oakland and Seattle and yeah. Denver and Santa Fe, I think. Yeah. Like they, they're advertising ceremonies. You go out there and That's awesome. you can do a ceremony. If you can get to Peru to the homeland and do it with a like legit shaman, like they're they're gonna have like when a, a shaman in Peru goes into the hospital, they address him as doctor, right? Right. And like that's that's where you want to go. That's that's the people you want to be with for sure. Yeah. I want that whole experience of of that kind mm -hmm. of um ceremony taking care of me yeah doing all of that stuff being being with the people yeah oh so what was it like that first time using it for medicine and taking a whole shitload the mushrooms, the mushrooms? yeah well we we did the set setting and dose and so our dose was going to be a lot we weren't we didn't know it we didn't have a scale we didn't know what it was and so we just were going to take a lot and because we wanted to cross, we wanted to cross that edge. And the setting, we went to a little campground that was isolated in a yurt, and there was you know nobody for miles around, and where we could just be as silly as we wanted to be. And then our set was kind of just to open the door, like we just wanted to see what what was here. We wanted because you know, like we said, if you hand a kid keys to a bulldozer they have no they're going to stick it in the wheel they have no idea so let's go see where we're at and what we're doing here and then we'll decide how to get to work okay. and so that was it and um there's probably more music than i would normally and there was a lot of happiness and there was a lot of dancing and but there was you know lots of inner work as well so when you say music music that you guys listen to mm -hmm. like play just to kind of because that's what because that's <laughs> It's kind of that, uh, I just had this thought in my brain, like, oh, you play music and you do that stuff because that's what hippies do. Right. <laughs> but it makes sense. But like, I can see where you're, where you would be like that. We, you know, that was nice. Maybe a little too much because we needed to get work done and work got done. But like, maybe there was too much of that fun. I don't know. What the, it's, it's music is like, music is difficult for me right now because Music is, do you know anybody that doesn't like music? Do you ever ask somebody like, what kind yeah, of music? I, you, I, I can't remember who it was. Like but somebody was person. like, yeah, I don't really like music. Yeah. And I'm like, what like, the fuck is wrong with you? What kind of animal are you? Like, yeah, I can't remember where, it's been recent though, but I'd have to really search my brain to figure out who and where right. it was. Yeah. Like that's just, like music is a strange thing. It mm -hmm. plays, yep. like the cliche is funerals and weddings and everywhere in between. And right. like, so it's important. I feel like music is important. The vibrations right. that it, tells the story deeper than just the words and it's probably important in those ceremonies like in the ayahuasca ceremonies they sing the uh, ikaros that like th that is that is the healing 
vibration. That is what heals you. So my, I think my problem with the music in the, in the psilocybin that we did was that it was my favorite music <laughs> and oh, really? it was, it was stuff that I loved to listen to, you know, it was childish Gambino and Valerie June and, you know, some of my favorite artists. And I just yeah. had, we had a great time and it was beautiful. Uh, bad, bad, not good. You know, bad, bad, not good. God, I love those guys. And so, you know, it was great. I feel like maybe other music can be found that would be more pertinent to that, but I don't know. I'm not okay. there yet. I'm not there yet. Okay. So did you, did were you able to grab a hold of some, some stuff like some, uh, stuff isn't there for, what the fuck uh some of the trauma or some of the some of the stuff and kind of hold on to it or on that first one yeah no no yeah uh, we like I, th I think we both walked away from that uh can i ask we who's we yeah i don't know <laughs> okay that's no that's cool uh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, you're you're cool don't you're well cool i mean uh i would say I'll go back to Ivan. Okay. Uh, I, I walked away from that with how valuable my daughters were to me and my, my place in their life and their place in my life and, and how important our relationship was. And that's what I walked away from with that one. And I thought like, that's incredibly valuable. Fuck I yeah. That's, like, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Right. right. That's Especially like, for your first, like, right. Like, medicine dose right right okay. that, i thought that was wonderful it was like hey you've got a beautiful life life is beautiful around you and you have beautiful kids and you have a beautiful relationship and really take the time to embrace that just the relationship aspect of it so that was great awesome okay yeah so then so after you came down and you kind of had some time to reflect do you write down any of this stuff that you you experienced oh, yeah. or do you record it or what do you do i write it i just write or, it down like in a in like in a journal or oh, yeah, it's it's in the back of my like sketch pad. There's okay. like a couple of pages back there, like okay. maybe ten or twelve pages. It was just like scribbles. So then after that, and you and you kind of reflected on that. How long did you just before you decide? Okay, I need to take a larger dose, and I need to get I need to get to some of the other work. It, it's months, I would say. Okay. Like I would say six months. Six months. That's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Like I, again, I don't. I felt like when I walked out of the Aya ceremony, like the first day, I was like, I don't need to do that again for years. So, like I need to do it again, but I feel like there's a lot of work to be done between now and then. And with psilocybin, it felt quicker than that. So let's talk about your second time with the mushrooms and then let's jump into that. Okay. Aya after that. So yeah, walk me through that. So the, the next time we did, like I didn't really have a plan for my next psilocybin and the next time was uh it was going to be a, a kind of guys night, guys day and where we were just gonna a bunch of dads were going to get together and like just get away from their families for a minute and just be men for a minute okay. whatever the hell that means but right. basically just just bond in a different way just bond in a different way and just relax without the kids running around and uh, and so we did we went out and found a place to camp and uh, threw some discs and had a great time. And at night took a, again, I, it felt druggy ish to me because I kept just stuffing mushrooms in my face because I wasn't getting to the place I wanted to get. And I was like, ah, real like, ah, oh, man, I'm, I think I'm doing this wrong. 
I think I'm just getting high. And okay. I, there was some guilt. And then I went over the edge. <laughs> and then, you know, I was able to peer into the universe and, mm-hmm. and see my place in the universe and see, you know, my place within myself. And I was like, oh, okay. It, it took a second to maybe, it took a day or two to really formulate that feeling and get those words right. Okay. But, um, I think even the next day I was like, did I just, did I just get super high with my buddies? And like, that's not what I want to do. But then, then I think maybe two days after that, I was like, no, dude, I like, I got, I feel that like I, like I'm healed from that. I see where I am in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So do you think you battle a little bit of like the environment and the intent versus the actual, um, mushroom experience? Cause that's what I kind of hear you saying. Like, do, do you understand what I'm saying? No. Like, so you, you went out with a bunch of friends to get away, right. To escape, right. For lack of a better word, escape. And within the escape, you take mushrooms, right? So there's this thought process. Our brain could be like, is, am I escaping even more? I'm air quoting, right. Getting high. So the intent and environment swayed your idea at first when you were taking it like, Oh, am I just doing this to get high? Because you weren't doing it in what would, what would some would say a ceremonial type of process. Right. right? Wouldn't it be great if we could just like take the family, you know, over to the campsite with the ceremony and be like, tell your work, Hey, listen, I'm taking the next four days off because I'm going to go to ceremony with my family and we're going to really get into something deep here. You can't do that. When, when was the last time you've got kids? When was the last time you just had a whole day of nothing to do? Like you, you didn't have to deal with your kids. You didn't have to worry about picking them up at the end of the day. Like how many times a year do you get that? Um, shit, not much, not but I, but we are getting to the age where our oldest, <laughs> like I have a 17 year old, he can do an overnight thing. Sure. So we're getting to that, but not, not right. like, yeah, you're, you're not there yet for sure. So that finding the, the setting, finding the place is, is incredibly difficult. Right. And so sometimes you have to escape to get to the setting, mm-hmm. which I, I see where you're coming from, but. No, what I'm just saying was that the thing that might've gotten your way unconsciously, Maybe. like Maybe. how you set it up versus saying, okay, I'm going into this ceremony with my friends. Da-da-da. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Okay. They, they were, they're good friends and it started off with a group of like eight or nine people and real quickly it turned into three of us and we were, you know, out at the golf course at midnight and it was silent. You could hear the creaks and the birds and it was, then it became, it became real ceremonial at that point. Right. It took a little work to get there, but okay. yeah. So then you came back from that and you'd, you'd opened to the universe, found your place in the universe, your words. Um, on this second one, when did you, was this before you started down the ayahuasca rabbit hole or rabbit hole or <laughs> journey? Um, or did you do ayahuasca before that? I did. I did. I before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about, Ayahuasca, ayahuasca, however I say it, um, is pretty new to me in the idea of what it is. Mm-hmm. As I've known about acid mushrooms since I was the 80s. 
I didn't learn about this plant medicine until probably pushing it two years ago. Just wasn't really, um, maybe a little bit longer than that, but I wouldn't say much. Right. How did you find out about it? Tell tell our one listener a little bit, a little bit more, because I think you know a little bit more than I do about what it is. And, and not not a lot. Like I. Well, you've done it, so you know more than right. me. Right. Okay. Um, uh, Joe Rogan. Okay. Like was the was the first time I heard about it, and he, okay. him and uh, Aubrey Marcus, I think started on it together in right. their little business, and uh, before Aubrey had a his own podcast, he was on Joe and he told him a story about his Aya. And I don't know when that was. And that was like, well, that's like, that's what I'm looking for. That guy went to a ceremony and had a guide and somebody walked with him and like showed him which way to walk and told him the dose and helped him figure out his, his intention before he walked into this. And like, I was like, that's, that's what I want. I want some help finding the right way. And so that was the first time I heard of it. And I listened for, like Aubrey started his own podcast. I listened to other people talk about it. I read some books, uh, DMT, the spirit molecule is a big one. And then, and then I was like, it's just never going to happen. I'm living in the middle of the country. It's never going to happen. <laughs> right. And kind of out of nowhere, a friend said, a friend of mine says, I have a friend who did this. And I was like, like tell them I want to do it. I want to do, this. I want to do that. And they were like, they told me about that shaman and it was ceremonial and it was like you know two weeks preparation before you go into the ceremony and i was like this is this is it let them know and again i was like it's never gonna happen (laughs) it's it's never gonna happen uh i uh this it starts to sound real hippie and i and i hear myself saying it and i cringe but it's okay but i uh decides long before you do that it's your that your time is ready so you have to open your heart which i had done and then i uh gets to decide when it, when it's going to happen. Okay. And so after that, everything just fell into place. Like I had, so I'm out at work and, uh, I was at work at the, on the farm Okay. and I got a phone call and I, was like, I don't know who this is. And it was, it was a shaman. And they were like, we heard, we heard you want to do this. And I was like, yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. And so it was like about an hour long, almost interview. And mm-hmm. one of the questions was like, how did, how did you hear about us? And I'm like, like, I don't know anybody that, you know, is a friend of a friend that told me. And so like, I get if you're not comfortable and they're like, no, nope, we're good. Like they're very in tune with, with I and what I has to say. And, um, they were like, yeah, no, you're in. And so that, that's how that kind of went down. And then like vacation happened to be in place for when the ceremony was going to be. And so it was easy to get there and, and it, it was Everything became real easy. So walk, um, was it a traditional sense of like a four-day ceremony or of, of doing it um, some each day? Yep. Okay. We, I just did two days. Okay. So walk walk us through kind of like when you get there, the prep you have to do before you're even your first ceremony. Uh, they, they come from, you know, the jungle in Peru. And so they have their kind of feelings about how to prepare. And they ask you to follow those guidelines just because that's how they've always done it. And so I don't know, part of that is tradition. Part of it is maybe, you know, information that they have that I don't have. But um, they ask you to eat clean. Like they ask you to get away from junk food. They ask you to stay away from technology as best you can. 
they ask you to try and settle your differences with, with people, okay. which is, you're like, what? No, I'm good. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to have to like, no, yeah, no, settle your differences with people. Get off, get off your damn phone, spend some time meditating. They want you to eat clean, no meat. They say you can eat fish until the last three days, I think it was. And then they really want you to really clean it up. And I think I, I basically fasted for the two days beforehand, like maybe just a handful of almonds or something like this, but not very much. Okay. And like, that sounds really hard right now to me, like to fast for two days. And it was so easy. Like, it was just like, it was no effort at all to fast for two days at that point. Okay. Um, I was just going to say when you have intent behind something like that, it's not hard to do. Right. It's just doing it to do it is what's hard to do. Right. It's the end goal that, that makes something like fasting for 48 hours easy air quotes. Right. So, yeah. So, okay. yeah. So that, so then that was that. And then, you know, I was able to, uh, travel and get to the ceremony and that was, it was super scary because I'm going to a place where I don't know anybody. I don't know where I'm going, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what the building is going to look like. I don't know what the inside or the outside is going to look like. I don't know what the shaman's going to look like. I don't know what's expected of me. I was, it was real nerve wracking. Right. Talk about jumping off a ledge before you even right. jump off the ledge. You're already jumping off right. the ledge. And so again, I'm a, you know, white male with a short haircut and I think I had a beard at the time. And like, I, I work in EMS you know, pretty traditionally conservative people confuse us with cops all the time. Right. Like, am I going to get confused as a cop and people are going to get real nervous about having me there? Am I not the right person to be doing this? And so there was lots of, lots of nerves going in. And so, um, they, that ice broke pretty quick. We go in and everybody kind of set up their bedding and on the floor and, uh, the shaman came in and the shaman is, he's a great dude, nerdy little, weird looking dude and he was just goofy and i was like that's that's the dude like i was expecting you know a monster i was expecting this this you know this aged old woman to like uh, walk in with a cane <laughs> or something and it was right? this, this goofy little dude and he was like grabbing flutes off the wall and trying to play flutes and i'm like uh, okay <laughs> shit. all right that's the guy i guess okay. that's gonna be my guy okay and so uh i guess we'll just go right into it um he pulled everybody into a room and we talked about our, our set, our intent and like, what are we doing here? And similar to my, that psilocybin, I was like, I don't like, I've got trauma. I've got things that I have to deal with from, from work and from my dad and from other things that I really want to just look at and deal with in some way. But mostly I'm just here with an, as an open mind as I can. And I don't want to offend anybody and I don't want to upset anybody on that plane or this plane, I just want to do what I can to, to grow here. And he was like, you're good. Don't trust me. You're, you're in a good place. Your heart's in a good place. Keep that mindset go. And I think, I think it was then that he's like, if you ever get to a point in this ceremony where you feel like you're being overwhelmed, you can physically break that if you want, just like, just put that in the back of your mind. I was like, okay. When you say physically break, like just get up and sh- go somewhere else for just yeah. a minute. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was that. Um, and so it was like nine o'clock at night and we uh, drank some, we took our turns going up to the shaman and there was a little ceremony and flowers and 
lights and it was real pretty and uh, we drank a little tiny cup of the drink and it everybody t- says it tastes horrible but it just tastes like dirt and mud and root and tree like it doesn't taste bad it's whatever and he starts singing uh, Icaros which I don't know if you've heard the Icaros mm. before it's you know a traditional Peruvian chant like thing like it's just a chant and I remember the first one he sang like I I was trying to meditate. I didn't, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I still don't really know what the hell I'm doing, but I was trying to meditate and I was trying to, you know, keep an open heart and keep an open mind. And my eyes were closed and he starts, starts his Icaros. And I opened my eyes and I thought like the, the words that went through my head were, that's the first time I've ever heard my native language. And then I kind of flinched at that. I'm like, what did I just say? (laughs) Like, Right. Like that, that whole sentence doesn't make sense. That's the first time I've ever heard my own language. It doesn't make sense, but, but it was beautiful and it was powerful. It's hard to, it's hard to describe the power of an Icaros, especially when you're on the eye in that ceremony. It's like, um, little did I know that was like 10% volume. He turns it up to 11 real quick. And I know, I know you guys like movie quotes. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fucking good right there. Goes to 11. Yeah. Um, and so then he, he had a specific Icaros as a song that he sang to each person and he was going around and he got around to me and he sings me the song and I, like I was feeling like it was geometric and it was real pretty and it felt like being on hallucinogens and I had that euphoria and, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. And I would close my eyes and I could see geometric beauty, mm-hmm. you know, that you get. And at some point I, he was singing to me and I closed my eyes and, and I could see these tentacles. I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And these centipedes were like climbing around and I could, they were, I could see the universe inside of me okay. and how it all connects inside of me. I, I know I'm hallucinating hard at this point. And the tentacles are pulling apart the bits of me and the centipedes are cleaning it out and putting it back together and lots of work going on. And I was real tertiary at least, you know, I was like way off in the distance of their importance. Right. And I think I said, like, what am I, like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm here, I'm ready to work. What do you want me to do? And they're like, you're not ready. We need to, we need to repair you and prepare you for tomorrow. Those are the words that they use. We need to repair you and prepare you for tomorrow. Just sit back and enjoy the show we've set for you. And the, it was like really like backhanded and offhanded. It was like, quit bothering me. Like we're working here. You go enjoy the little show that we prepared for the you. The laser light show. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that's <laughs> going to be my gig tonight. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. And so I did. And the show was beautiful. And uh, I remember like these you know when you light a piece of paper on fire and that fire just like burns out from the center and creates that hole? Well, I saw that in my vision, in my reality. And except it was purple, purple flames burning out flowers everywhere. And through those flowers, I could see different worlds and I could see different people and different things. But then they just closed back up. Okay. I was told that, to expect that. So um, it got to be like, five in the morning and he was like okay ceremony's over everybody have a good night and went to sleep you could just go to 
You could just go to sleep. I was wide awake until he said, go to sleep. And I think I was asleep before my head hit the pillow. Like just <sighs> out, like out. And woke up probably two or three hours later. And we ate and we, he said, just give like, I want to hear everybody's thing. I don't want to hear all of it. Like, we don't need to do that. This is your work. Give us a five minute synopsis of what happened last night. And some people went pretty deep and some people saw some crazy stuff. One guy was, was convinced he was a wolf. <laughs> and like, he was like, I hope I didn't scare anybody when I was like walking around as a wolf and nobody knew what he was talking about. But Right. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and it got to me and I told him what I saw and I was like that, you know, and that was it. And so the shaman at the end, he's like, okay, well, I guess Joe and so-and-so are going to get the double dose tomorrow. And I was like, oh, what? Double dose. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like I, it wasn't, there was no fear. It was like, okay, well, better buckle my belt because right. it's, it's getting ready to go down. There was no fear. I felt very comfortable that he knew what he was talking about. And so uh, me and this person, another person, a lot of people left for the day. And to come back that night and me and this other person just we went for a walk in the woods and just talked lots of small talk and then came back and so the next day I probably got a nap in that day at some point but so again nine o'clock at night and he calls me up and uh, it's a larger cup and when i drink it it was much more pungent it was Ed chunks in it. It wasn't, it wasn't just a drink. It It wasn't muddy water this time. No, it was dense. And I was like, Oh boy, that's intense. Okay. And so I go back and I sit down and he starts singing the Icaros and I'm like, okay, like I'm feeling this one. Like this is, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm not to the edge. I can't even see the edge. Like I'm still just tripping. That's all that I'm doing right now. I'm not working yet. And he goes, he's going around by himself and he's singing the Icaros to each person, the healing song to each person as he goes around. And he comes around to me and he doesn't sit down. He just leans over and he's like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm good. He's like, okay. Goes and gets another cup and brings it to me. Okay. I guess maybe this is the double dose because I thought that strong ass cup <laughs> that I just had was my double dose. And so I drank that and he took it back and he came down and started to sing for a minute, then got back up. And I'm like, oh, that was weird. And he went and got his, like, he's got helpers. I don't know what their names are. And he tells this guy, he's like, I want you to sit about six or seven feet behind me and off to the corner. And he's blowing this smoke, this healing smoke over both of us. And he's, he's doing his own personal chant over there. And the shaman's in front of me and he's singing and he's just going and Honestly, it felt like he was having a hard time. I, I remember feeling that, like, he's not getting through. He's not, it's not working. Okay. I'm not, maybe my walls are too big. Maybe my walls are too strong. Okay. Maybe I don't, maybe this isn't for me. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I tried. I put my best effort in, and it's just not for me. And he starts singing, and then he just changes the octave about two octaves higher. And, I disappeared. <laughs> I was no longer in this planet. I was no longer in this plane. I was gone. And I was walking down a hallway, this long blue hallway. And the shaman is right in front of me. And that nerdy little weirdo that was singing to me a minute ago was like immense and powerful. 
I could see like this is, again, going tripping pretty hard. I could see the Icaros, the Icaros are the songs. I could see them up above us looking down and like they were excited about being sung by this person. And I realized that this is the shaman. That's just the body that carries the shaman over there. But this is the shaman. This is the power. This is the powerful one. This is that old lady crone. Right. Okay. And I'm like, hey, what am I supposed to be doing here? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at. Lots of confusion. And he just kind of keeps walking and keeps walking. And we get to this room. I'm already feeling it a little bit. We get to this room and it's a real small little room, smaller than this room. And we walk in the door. There's one window over here straight in front of us and as like directly to the right of the door and up in the upper right-hand corner of the room, there's this real narrow closet. It's like eight inches wide, but full door height and nothing else in the room. And the door opens and my spirit comes out of it and it crawls across the top of the room over into the other corner and it's it's broken and it's battered and it's bandaged and it's black and it's scared and it's shaking and it's vibrating. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's me. That's, that's me. And like, it hurts me now to look at that thing. It didn't hurt. Like my soul was out of me. <laughs> my soul was over there right. right now. Like I'm ready to cry. Just thinking about how damaged that thing was. And, and the shaman turns around. He's like, you said you were ready to work. It's time to work. And he left. And I was oh, like, shit. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. And so like, I, I did like this fake ass Reiki stuff where I'm like, you know, you know, now that they do that stuff. Yeah. And so I just started pulling at my spirit and trying to pull the bandages off and pull the hate off and pull the fear away. And, and I did that. I don't know how long I did that for, but I did that for a long time until, uh, until it went back and it climbed back inside of me and went back inside of me. Now, did you see it climb back inside of you or did you feel it like kind of just become one with you? Again? It was both. I, I both. saw it. it came towards me and it went inside of me and I could feel it. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, it did work. Cool. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I needed a little break there, but that's fine. Uh, I kind of, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm back on that medication right now. Okay. Like not fully, but I feel that, that intensity and that glow. And it's, okay. it's, uh, it's a little overwhelming. I bet. Yeah. I bet. And so, uh, yeah, it's okay. It's emotional right now. I it's bet. more emotional yeah. than I, it's, like, it seems I pretty expected. intense and it's pretty intense for me to kind of just watch and right. listen. So, um, yeah. So, <clears throat> so, that was done. So, uh, part of ayahuasca is, is the purge. Everybody talks about like they, you drink and 10 minutes later, oftentimes you just vomit right. and they ask you to bring a little vomit bucket. And that's just part of the physical release of letting your mind go. This is what they tell me. And I had none of that <clears throat> either day. I was like, Oh, that's whatever. I'm, I guess I'm just tough. Right. That's <laughs> hilarious. That's ego, bro. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so, uh, I went went ahead and healed my spirit and the spirit came back inside of me and I was feeling pretty good and feeling pretty powerful. And I was like, I, 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 now what do I do? I was like, I guess maybe go look at my dad. 
I don't know. Okay. And so time is weird, but shortly after that, like I felt this cyclone of, I want to say agony, but it wasn't painful, right? It was just like agony, like cyclones spinning around me and just like crushing me, just like putting all its weight down on me. And I couldn't, I couldn't break it. And I, it was literally like pushing my body down in both dimensions, right? That I was in. And it was just, it was painful. Not, it wasn't painful. It was agonizing. It was the only word I can think for it. And I couldn't get out of it. And I was, I was suffering. And I heard this, I heard this mantra in my head. And I think it, actually, I think it, I first heard it at CrossFit. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I hate, like, it was pain times resistance equals suffering. Okay. If you don't resist, you don't suffer. Right. And that was just going over and over and over in my head. Like, like I'm getting crushed by this cyclone of agony of dealing with my dad. And I haven't, I haven't even considered my dad yet, except that I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And this cyclone is just crushing me. And this mantra is going on in my head over and over and over and over again. I'm like, okay, so... I'm going to go back to the beginning where the shaman just said, sometimes you just need to physically break it. And so I literally just like put my hands on my knees and I pushed myself up and I just flexed and I put my arms out to my side and I just flexed every muscle and I could feel that cyclone and that agony crumble into pieces. Like I could see it. It was like a glass and it crumbled and it fell down around me and it landed all around the floor around me. And I started crying. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a couple of tears. It was like a flowing tears. Like I wasn't sad. I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I, I was, I touched my face. I was like, am I crying? Mm -hmm. Bawling, like hard tears coming down lasted for probably four hours, <laughs> like constant. And it was like, that was the purge. That was my wow. purge. I needed it. Like right. I needed somehow to get rid of it. And that was how I, my body got rid of it. And so I got rid of the agony and I started like having, like talking to my dad and like processing how I felt about how my dad died. My dad died 20 years ago. Okay. And he, my dad had more love than he could handle. And it, it, he let it, he let it cost him his life. Like he loved other people more than he could love himself. Right. Okay. And so it ended up costing him his life. And so he, left that for me. And so I have to deal with how much I love my family and how much I love myself and how much like, like, you know, you, there's a certain amount of com, like to have compassion. You have to have barriers, right? <laughs> like you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. So, and so I'm, I'm dealing with all that and I'm bawling tears and I, I look up and I see the plane that I'm in, like the, the dimension that I'm in. And I, I can see way off in the distance, like way off in the distance, a whole nother plane. It's on a different angle. It's on a different, it's a different existence. Mm -hmm. And I just know that my dad is in that plane way over there, but there's a lot of nothing between me and that plane. I don't, I don't know what the hell that meant. I don't know if it's heaven. I don't know if it's just a different existence. I don't know if it's just hallucinogens. I don't know, but I knew that my dad was over there and I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta give him a message. And so I just screamed and I don't, 
I don't know if I did this out loud or right. not. Or if it was just, yeah. I, I don't know if I scared. You screamed. That's all, that's I all just, that matters. I just screamed, Dad, I love you, as loud as I could. And there was, again, this realization. I was like, he didn't hear it, but he's going to get that message. Oh, and interesting. And it took such a weight. Like, all I had to do was say that. Mm. All I had to do was say it out loud. Right. And it took such a weight off my shoulders. I was like, oh, yeah. I, can, I feel like I can... I can grow now without that anchor. And that was, that was pretty profound. Um, the next morning, at some point he was like, okay, you guys are done. Go back to sleep and okay. went to sleep and woke up the next morning. We did a little five minute thing and uh, I came around to me and I was like, dude, when you did that second octave, I went, like I was, I disappeared for a long time. And that second octave was a really strange thing. I don't know if that was intentional or what. And he explained that he felt the walls in me were big and he needed help getting through. And that's mm -hmm. why I brought the other person over mm -hmm. to protect him, not to protect me. Interesting. And so he, he said he started with that, the Icaros and brought it up an octave to really like penetrate. And when he said that, like four or five other people in the room were like, when you went up that other octave, I disappeared. Like everybody, everybody, whole, disappeared. everybody disappeared. When you, like it's it's the vibrations. Like, okay. like they really are way more powerful than people understand, right. especially when they're done right. And one of the ladies who's way more experienced at this in the room, she looked over at me and she's like, "Dude, I don't know what what happened to you last night." But I looked over at you one time and there was like eight of you climbing around on your bed and up the walls and around the plants. And there was, you were just everywhere all at one time. And I was like, it's like I mean, I believe you. I don't, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> um, when, like I had made plans, I didn't know what I was going to feel like afterwards. And so I had made plans to um, have a midway spot to like get away from the ceremony, but be in a place where I could be safe mm -hmm. and let myself sober up. Right. So I, I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to drive drunk and I don't want to get anybody in trouble and I don't want to get back home and not be in a place where I can deal with my family. And so I, I went to my midway place that I had set up and realized real quick, I was like, I'm a hundred percent fine. Like I'm reading a newspaper. I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I don't feel altered in any way whatsoever. I feel like I'm fresh and I feel like I've got a thousand pounds pulled off my shoulders, mm -hmm. but I don't feel altered in any way. So I waited another couple of hours and I was like, I guess I'm just going to go home. Like, I don't, I'm just going to go home. So I went home and it was great. Like it was great to see the family and great to see my kids. And it felt so good to be a dad at that point. Right. And so just to put a little tail on the end of it that I have a picture of my dad that's been hanging up on our hallway mm -hmm. going up the stairs and he's he's probably in his mid-30s and we were in California in the Vacaville desert before it became a big city it was mm -hmm. the desert and we used to go out there and do dirt bike riding and he, my dad's way out of shape and he's got his shirt off and he's on his motorcycle and he's trying to crank out a wheelie you know and it's it's a great picture and I love that. I love that photo of him. And it's been up in my house, you know, for 20 years now. Uh, it's 18 years. And I think the next day, like I was going up the stairs and I don't know if I hit it or what, but it 
that picture fell down and hit the stairs and rolled into the living room. I was like, okay, damn it. Go and I hang it. It didn't break, hang it up. The next day, going up the stairs, that photo falls down, hits the stairs, goes into, and I'm like, whatever. Like, I didn't really put anything to it. Damn it. It happened two more times. On the fourth time, it fell, slid into the living room. My two daughters in the living room. And I'm like, I'm almost upset. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, dad. And I yelled at my dad. I'm like, dad, come on. Get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Get up on the wall. Oh, shit. That's my dad trying to tell me a story. Mm-hmm. Trying to tell me that he heard my message. Yeah. Oh, it's giving me chills right now. And I was like, oh, like I dropped everything I was doing. I'm like, girls, get that photo. We're going to the frame store. We're getting my dad. We're going to spend the afternoon with my dad. Got a new frame. We told stories about my dad. Let him know who my dad was and my relationship with my dad. And I tried to be as honest as I could without making him a superhero because it's hard not to make your parents a superhero. But and we framed him. And then put him back up, and he hasn't he hasn't come down since. So, so the picture wasn't framed at that point. It was just a just a, the picture. It was a cheap frame that I got okay. when I was in you know in my twenties, okay. whatever. And I put it up, and it's been that way ever since. And it never broke, but it was like I need to spend some special time. That's fucking real quick. Cool, man. So that that's was pretty really, cool. That's really deep. It felt like it feels. There's a part of me where it's like, that's just silly, Joe. It's not. It's just coincidence, Joe. It's, come on, don't be silly. But so that, I don't fucking believe in coincidence. In my so. heart, that was a message from my yeah. dad saying, I heard your message mm-hmm. and I got you, bro. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, I, I used to I used to believe in that coincidence bullshit. Um, sorry for people out there, the one listener, if you believe in coincidence. I don't <laughs> believe in it. I just don't. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a, I've been dabbling in uh, determinism. So last few years, so in determinism, there is no coincidence. It's all determined, right? So you're supposed to be sitting there because it's mm-hmm. already determined mm-hmm. from the beginning of time that you're going to sit and tell your story to our one listener, you know? So back to that, I really want to thank you for sharing just that experience with me. That's really, was really powerful and I could see how powerful it was for you. So it tells me a lot. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing that story. So it didn't like just for you, it doesn't feel, uh, I didn't feel unsober at any, like, I don't like there was that one half moment where I was like, like, am I just here just enjoying the show? But, but there was in hindsight, it was all with purpose. There was, I was determined. My decisions had very little to do with me being there. Right. Like I I was, you were supposed to be, I was supposed to be there. Yeah. I was supposed to be there. So, Now we fast forward, right? And now you're 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 still dabbling in mushrooms, um, plant medicine. Um, do you feel? Do you feel like there will be a time where you're done, and like you feel you yeah. know, healed's the right word? Is there an like, angle? You know, like is there like with. <clears throat> the plant medicine and mushrooms, or do you think that you'll always, Oh, let me back that up. Have you done ayahuasca since? No, no. So it was one and only time. Do you want to do it again? Oh, for sure. Okay. Do you want to go for a longer ceremony, like seven, four to seven day type of, I would love to. Okay. Yeah. If I, if I can get again, like the logistics of taking seven days for myself is greedy and selfish. Right. 
I would love to. I would is love. It, I would is love it to do. Greedy and selfish. It can. It will be perceived by perceived by, by my, who? my my family. Like if I take off to Peru for seven days by myself, like oh, that's that's a lot of money that's going out the door. That's a lot of time where my my wife and kids are without me. Like that's is that your perception of? That's a hundred percent my perception. Because okay. I I would. Not that I know your family too well. I do know them a tiny, tiny yeah. bit. I don't think that they would perceive that as that. I, I've been real honest with my girls about what about that ceremony and what I did and how I felt and and my purposes behind it. And I, you're maybe right. It still feels, even if they were okay with it, it still feels like taking that much time and and traveling to a foreign country without my wife, like every adventure I've ever been on, I've taken my wife, you know, like, why can't she go? Yeah. At some point, at some point for sure we will, for sure we will. Um, it seems more likely there's other, like, you know, it's legal in Oakland and Seattle and they're just advertising ceremonies. Now you can just go, right. seems more likely we'll probably do something like that, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I have some ideas, but we'll talk offline about that. (laughs) Um, there was a question that you asked in the middle about, of um, is there, will there be a time oh. in your brain currently? I know it's arbitrary and we don't, I don't like to think about like that idea, but is there a time like, okay, I'll, when I get to X, I'm good. When you get, you're a white belt in jujitsu. When you get to your black belt, are you good? Are you done? Nope. Not even close. That's where you start, right? right? That's where you start. Can you can you fathom a point in your life where you're like, you know what? I've reached, I've lifted enough. I've I've reached the point where I want to reach. And like I don't I don't know the answer, but to me it feels like it's just work that's got to be done. It's like like you're always taking on trauma, and you're always taking on difficulties and you're going to keep going to the doctor. You're going to keep going to the medicine to be like, okay, I need to clean that up a little bit. Like I, I suffered some stuff. The, the work that's being done on pre-death people with psilocybin, like, like I can't wait to get <laughs> to so that point. Meaning that they're close to dying near hospice or near hospice. hospice and, and, and then they're giving them large doses of psilocybin to let them know that like they're not as significant and that they are important at the same time. Oh, shit, right? right. And then when you like, you're a lot less afraid to die, especially like if you know you're dying, you can just suffer in that fear or you can go work on that fear and then come back and be like, I'm okay with dying. Like that's, that's powerful. Like that's psilocybin, right? That's, yeah. that's psilocybin. That's right an there. interesting thing. Cause I believe everybody's scared of dying. And I don't mean scared of dying in the sense of like um, the actual death. Where you go, that's what they're scared of. Not yeah. not the act of. It's the after effects. But yeah. We call it dying as as if after death isn't living. Right. Right. Who knows? Right. <laughs> we Who don't. Knows? I don't know. I like it was, it's funny because. My mom is a, we don't go too far into this, but my mom's a, a nun and an actual nun. And, and a, yeah, right on. Cool. Fr- uh, Franciscan. Okay. And so we always have spiritual conversations and is, is anti-theist or atheist or whatever you want to call what I am. And as 
nunny as she is, we agree on our spiritual quite a bit. Like we really, we really get each other. And so I share everything with her. And so I told her this story and I told her every bit of it. And at the end, she just was like, so do you believe in heaven then? And I was like, fuck me. Like, I don't know. Like my, my gut reaction is my ego is no, I know who I am. But what was that over there that I just saw where I just said hi to my dad and he sent a message back to me? Like, I don't know what the hell that was. I have no idea. It, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I have a similar relationship with my mom. We're pretty, she's also pretty deep and Christian, right? But we're both pretty spiritual and we can have deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, before you took Aya, would you have had that conversation with your mom about taking Aya? Did you have that relationship beforehand I, or did you have to do it to then go back and talk to her about it? I've, I've told my mom about all my, all the drugs that I've taken and the medications that I've taken and right. why I've taken them. Uh, she wasn't a fan of the ecstasy in the nineties right. at all. She, she thought that was just me taking drugs and she was probably right. <laughs> I mean, there's some level that maybe right. some escapism right. or whatever. Uh, she didn't like my drinking when I was drinking because I was overdoing it. I didn't have a, it was gas all on or none. And she didn't like that, which I get. Yeah. Um, she was pretty supportive of the Aya. And like before or after, like after you did it before and after okay. before and after, um, psilocybin, she's been supportive of me doing it and I've really been pushing her to try it mm-hmm. and she's got too much Nancy Reagan in her ear. I think Yeah, she won't, she's not ready to do it. She said that at some point she will, but I think she's just putting it off until she doesn't have to deal with it. But there's something about. My mom's real similar to that in the sense of like, there's a lot of anxiety and fear around this idea of drugs, right? And I think there's a generation of boomers, right, that were hippies and that were are not afraid of drugs. And then there's a, a section of them that are like the other end, like really, an, not necessarily anti, but fearful of, mm-hmm. right? And I think my mom falls into that. Um, sorry, Kate. that what do because she has talked about um trying wanting to try marijuana older in age because she never got to to do it we've had conversations about that years ago it's been years ago i don't know it'd be interesting if she would have the conversation about trying mushrooms and trying to do that because i know that as much as she thinks she's not scared of death. She's scared of death. Yeah. Like everybody is like, yeah. it's a weird thing to think about of not existing in the way that you do here. Right. 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 So what, wonder, what if you told her, like, what if you had a guide? Like, I don't want to, like if you start saying shaman or something like they get kind of like, are they trying to convert me to a different religion? Right. Like, what if you just had a guide? What if you just had some person there that was, had some experience and was going to sit there with you? And make sure you didn't wander off and jump off a building. Right. You're not going to, but listen, right. if that eases your, it's not an after school special. Right. No, like this is say, like you listen, you yeah. take you out into the, you know, to a yurt in the middle of the woods mm-hmm. where you're safe and you're comfortable and you were warm and you could, you know, listen to the music you wanted to like do it with a guide like that. That's the key. That's the yeah. key. I'm, I'm, I'll probably jump off the, the ledge again and start doing mushrooms after, after hearing your story. I don't know when, 
Um, it'll definitely be before I do the ayahuasca journey because I don't know when that's going to be. Right. But I'll probably, <clears throat> Jill and I probably need a, somebody to, a guide. Just because we're, you know, I'm almost 50 years old, you know, I need to. I got kids. I need someone to make sure I don't, right. I don't jump out a window. Just You're not jumping you know. out any windows. But it's the same. It's the same thing as thinking that I was like not gonna, like I was gonna lose my wife. At right. Like it's just ridiculous to think yeah. that. But, yeah. but whatever. It's a it's a legit fear that you have, right? right? And so and you, you got to deal put with that. that safety. In fact, I remember taking it back to the the late '80s um, when we took one time when we took acid. And I took. I was going to take a he- pretty heavy dose. We we pulled in a friend who's going to be just right. the person <laughs> stay sober and just take us around. Yeah. He did fuck with us a little bit. Sure. I have to admit, but it was kind of fun because it's a, it's a memory, but like right. we had that person, so I could get that again. So do you feel like you're gaining some ground? That's not even the right thing. Healing some of that, those traumas that you, that are existing or past with, with the use of. Oh, for mushrooms. sure. For sure. Like I can feel like I can feel that fear is so much less like in anything that I do, like mm-hmm. in anything, like if I get up at five o'clock in the morning to go walk my dog in the cemetery, mm-hmm. the, the fear there's always, there's going to be a fear there because you're walking in the dark and you know, whatever. And it's just less like okay. my fear is significantly less everywhere I go and everything that I do. So is your fear less on the bus? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I, like, there's always, you know, it, are they're going to judge me. I'm going to, I'm going to do something wrong and I'm going to get judged. You know, I've got somebody's life in my hands and I can't make a mistake here. Right. And that's intense. And right. it's that fear is less okay. now for me, for sure. Um, how does your brain, this is an interesting question I want to, wanted to ask you, how does your brain function now that you're doing plant medicine and still seeing trauma? Does that make sense of what I'm saying? Like you started using plant medicine the second time to help you with trauma. Mm-hmm. Now that you're using it and you continue to see trauma, right? People die, all the things that you see, right? Does it make not easier. That's not the word I want to use. It's not easier. Um, does it make it what, just tell me, what does it do? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I I think like just my immediate reaction is it does not make it easier. Like the trauma is is exactly the same as bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's not any easier, but there, there is that, but I know how to, I know how to fix that. Like, and so I don't get to fix this today and I don't get to fix this this week. But I get a, I know that sometime down the road when I get some more vacation and I can go back to a spot where it's all completely legal mm-hmm. that I can, I can work on this. Like I can get in and I can do some work on this trauma and I can fix myself and maybe not the specific trauma, but sort of the generalized trauma that I have built Like out. fixing the spirit, right? Right. Because trauma, you know, whether, whether you believe in the spirit or soul or not or whatever the, whatever you want to call it, like trauma hits that, right? That thing. So maybe it not might not be the specific thing that we would yeah. do in something, but maybe it's just maybe it's healing that mm-hmm. that spirit again. Right. So there's a. Th- this is a little bit of backtracking. In 
in the DMT world, in the ayahuasca world, there's a, they call it the waiting room. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, where <clears throat> you start and you start getting high or whatever you want to call it. And you go to this room where you're evaluated by beings of whatever sort. And if, if you're deemed worthy, that's not the right word, but whatever, then you get to go through. And so those burning, those burning flowers mm -hmm. that I saw on the second night, I, I got to walk through those. Okay. I got to walk through the, these bright, the first night was purple. The next night was bright orange. And I walked through those. And since then, like that's always been a, a dimethyltryptyline world, right? That's the waiting room. It's the only place you see those. Since then on psilocybin, I've, I've been to that waiting room and I, I was shook. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, where, I didn't take that tonight. Like I'm in the wrong place. I'm not supposed to be here. And one time it immediately disappeared. They're like, okay, you don't want to be here. Fine. The next night it was like, you're welcome to come through. Oh, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not on this drug right now. <laughs> I'm not in a place to do this right now. And I didn't, I didn't go through, but interesting, fear. but now I think that that door has been opened and that, that eye has been cleaned and now it's more available through different aspects. And I would bet now if I went into some deep yoga or meditation, I could probably find it as well, but I haven't done that. I wonder if you get to a point with plant medicine that it's not about the thing that gets you to it. It's just about the thing that you're in, right? So it doesn't matter if it's mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, yoga. The fact that you're there is the point that you're there and you're going there, not how you got there. Right. Well, the, the guide was, was key, pointing you in the right direction right. and pointing, you know, helping you out, aiming you in the right way. For sure, the, the Aya, the drink that I drank, was not. All that that did was that was, a, that was just a key to open a door. And that's all that that was. All that did was open one eye that you could see through. Uh, everything else was, was the Icaros and the shaman and my work. Everything else was after that was the, the drug is just the key to open the door. And now that door has been opened. And so now I just need to go back and find that door. Um, I want to, is there anything else you want to say about plant medicine before I kind of shift gears a little bit? I don't okay. think so. So you and I have chatted a little bit about ego and, um, I really want to talk about ego and jujitsu. Okay. I, because as much as I think plant medicine and the narrator can help with ego and, and it, and it takes it away and all that stuff, there's something about jujitsu and the ego. And I don't, especially for an older man, I think it really puts that ego. It really tears it off. I don't like, I'm not great at this stuff. I don't, I've never felt like ego is bad. Like I don't, it needs to be in control. Okay. But it like, you need to have an ego. Sure. Right. Ego has a time in its place. Yeah. Right. Ego is ego. Ego lets you know that when you're on the bus, you got this, that's ego, right? right. Not you got this 
that I'm the best paramedic right. in the whole wide world. You got to be on top you. of it. Right. But it lets you know that you've got this, you've got the, you've got the skills that that's right. Ego, right. So let's talk about jujitsu then. Okay. So ego for me is, is this idea of ego getting in the way of, of me being a better human being. Right. And ego, ego gets in the way, like ego can be false confidence, right? The ego could get in your way on the bus and saying, pushing another, I'm not saying this would happen, but like the example would be, I got this younger paramedic. I'll take care of this because I have more experience Mm -hmm. where he is, he or she is just as competent as you are, but has less experience, right? Like that's just, that's kind of a crappy example for me. Jiu-jitsu is, um, is putting myself into something that is completely and utterly technical that I have no idea how, what I'm doing, right? There is not, there is only so many videos and so many books you can read <laughs> and so many fights you can watch, but nothing is like it once you start doing it, right? right? It right. really, knowing, getting choked out. And almost dying, right? Really, or dying? Yeah. I mean, when you tap, right? You're dead. You're right. dead, right? There's nothing. There's That's nothing ego, like man. it. You can't. That's letting go of ego. And letting someone like yeah train like putting like okay like let me let me show you how to do a rear naked choke and mm-hmm. letting them do it over and over and over on you. Mm-hmm. It's it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. But you learn so much. Like you learn so much from letting somebody else choke you that the anxiety you get, even like I'm letting you do this. Mm-hmm. I'm showing you how to put your arms around my carotids and choke me unconscious. Right. And you still get the anxiety, don't you? You're like, oh, here it goes. I'm going to die. Okay, tap. Right, right. And I don't, the more you can deal with that, the more practice you get with that, mm-hmm. the better you are going to be off ego wise like i don't i don't know how how does it like, i don't even know how to word it how how does it make you better or worse is that in in jujitsu no how do you do you think um jujitsu is the great um ego ego destroyer no i mean obviously there's No, I don't. Oh, really? I mean, well, look at, look at the, look at Keenan Cornelius. Look at Dylan Dennis. Look at, you know, Bushesha. Look at, look at some of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Like they've got overwhelming egos. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, and to to compete at that level, like I can't even comprehend what it means to compete at that level, where you're literally, you have to be able to get on that mat and say, I'm the best in the world like Hodger Gracie gets on the mat confidently not anymore but he did if you watch him get on the mats he just gets on and he's zero stress right zero stress he walks up on the mat standing straight upright he's not crouched over like ready to attack he's just like whatever you got I I can handle but they've all been tapped they've all been tapped many times Mm -hmm. but Hodger's ego has to be through the roof like he's he just walks in there like unstoppable right now not anymore but in the day dude he 
he came out of retirement to fight Bouchesha, who had won, I don't know my numbers, 10 in a row. Right. And he was like, okay, I got this, and went out and beat him. It's like, what? That's, that's, I can't even imagine what your brain must be going through, what your ego must be going through to do that. See, I, see, I don't see it that way. Tell me I how see, you see it. I see it as he put his ego aside. He had confidence in his ability to allow him to flow. And I think when you get into that flow state of like, and really being the chessboard and working through the stuff that you need to do, I think you have to let ego go and, and trust yourself that you've, you've, you've got this. I think ego for me, this is my thought process. Ego gets in the way of that. And that's how you get tapped because you've got this and you're not slowing yourself down enough you know, it may be like this super fast, but you have to slow it down enough to figure out what's going on. I do feel like I battle with my ego a lot. Like I, I, I think it's, it's almost embarrassing that two low belts are sitting there talking about jujitsu right now to me. Like, what do I know? I know nothing about jujitsu, you know, like I've been training for five years now and what do I know about jujitsu? I know, I, I know so little, right. And it's, I feel that way. I feel like when I go compete and I go get on the mats, man, I don't, I don't have nearly enough ego. Like I'm terrified. And I know I'm, I know that I'm good enough to compete at a certain level. And I can, I can look across the mat and know that I can beat that guy. And then I get on that mat. I'm like, uh, and I struggle. Like I struggle. It's, it's overwhelming to me for sure. I, I see ego and confidence two different things. So to me, I see you having when you when you when you verbalize it like that, that's a lack of confidence yeah. in your skills, not ego. Hmm. Right? I would say that getting on the mat is putting your ego aside, knowing that you can be tapped or killed at any time. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. That's, that's letting ego go. I think people that don't get on the mat or, or are the, the, the ones on the, in the stands, right. Not getting marred and bloody are the ones that have all the ego. Right. Right. Just lack. They're trying to protect it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'll get on the mats, man. I'm not afraid to lose. I'll lose. Yep. I'm not afraid to lose. I just like, I get upset when I don't, when personally, I don't, I don't roll at my level like when i do when i do something stupid on the mat it's just like i'm like come on dude i know that i'm better than this and i get so frustrated i'm i'm so not even close to even knowing what that's like because i'm just brand new to it that i just like oh i just got killed oh (laughs) i just got killed oh I just got hey, killed. There it goes Ooh, again. I just got out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't get killed. Right. The the competition yeah. is amazing. Like they, yeah. they say that one competition is like 30 classes. Like you learn, you learn so much about yourself and about jujitsu and about, I can't wait. It's, it's unreal. Can't it's wait great. For my first one. I went I'm up. still, I haven't, I haven't rolled in almost three months. Since the beginning of March. Oh, right. You went on vacation or something. I went, right I went on work and then yeah. the, the whole thing happened. And my fingers still hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still wake up in my shoulder still hurts yeah. from when Trevor got me in a non-submission and I tapped. I mean, like, 
it's amazing how I could still feel jujitsu right now. Yeah. And I haven't rolled in forever. And I need it. I find myself slipping quickly off that edge mm-hmm. of like somebody asked me how you're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I fucking need jujitsu though. Yeah. Like real quick, I get upset yeah. and I'm like, oh, calm down, calm down. Yeah. But it's unreal how much I need that. Phys- like men don't hug. They don't touch other human beings. Like they shake their hand and that that's it. And it's weird now in this world that we're in. But like oh, even in the real world, you never you never touch another human being and there's important there's an important part of touching another human being in jujitsu. You're just like, you know, you got another man's bare chest on your face for five minutes. You're like, okay. (laughs) And there's sweat dripping in your mouth. Yeah. It's so, it's (laughs) It's, so gross, but it's so important. I mean, even if you're just like, literally you can hold hands with another guy, Mm -hmm. like just like battling for position. Yep. But that's like real sweat and real contact with another human being. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's so vital and your body needs it so badly. And then the, the, I think Trevor talked about when someone's trying to murder you, you can't think about what your bills are. Like, Fuck no, it, 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 you just have one hour where you don't have to worry about your kids' grades. How are you going to pay for the bills for the car? The groceries need to get done. My dog hasn't been walked. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take one hour and I'm just going to go roll and not like, you can't think about it. Yep. And it's just like, or you die. Yeah. Right. It's so great. Yeah. It's so great. I, I really miss, I really hope, um, cause I was telling Trevor this when he was on, I can't do the zoom thing. I just, it's, it's, rough. Just, it's, it's just not even it's it, it makes me sad and I don't know. I know. And I think one, I think my ego gets in the way of being able to just be vulnerable enough to sit and, and listen and, and do something that I don't want to do. And that's just not how I learn. Yeah. I just don't learn. I just don't learn that way. I learn by doing. You roll with your kids at all? No, no. no. I mean, I have. I got Otto into it. My middle, who's the wrestler, and and he's doing it. I tried that first couple days of the family one, and just couldn't. Then I talked a little bit about Trevor about this too. I'm not. I'm not super body aware of my strength, so. Um, and that's I have that fear even mm-hmm. when I'm roll even if I'm rolling with you right, and you could crush me all every single time, but I'm still fearful of how my that's body so <laughs> body is right right like, and I don't know what that's about. Like I haven't really I guess relinquished that it's okay to be as strong as I am and and. Do all that stuff. Let me go to the bathroom again. Though. Okay. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Hit it. Uh, you just do somewhere. Uh, so strength. I was talking about my strength right, and fear man. and letting it all go. It, it is something like, especially with me, man. Like, I, I beg you to use your strength. Like, I know. Please use your strength. Like, I need. Because I, I. I want to help like my, I'm, you know, I'm a paramedic. I'm out there to help people. And so I see the brand new white belt sitting down there on open mat over by in the corner by himself. I have to go. I'm going to go roll with that guy. Right. And that guy's usually 160 pounds and is a month in, has no idea what he's doing. And I can crush that guy. I don't have to work at all to beat that guy. I need more people like giants. (laughs) I need the giants to come in and just like 
I need to feel what it feels like to have you grab my wrist and be like, oh, I don't get that wrist back. <laughs> that's, that's gone now. And how to deal with that. Like that, that is something that is valuable and you should, you should that's, use. That's an but, interesting point. I've never thought about it like that. I think Trevor was trying to get there with that, but I think because he's fucking third degree, like, like ex- sometimes explaining things to him, to other people, probably at his level, sometimes it doesn't right. click in my brain. Right. But the way you explained it, cause you're, I mean, you're obviously years advanced, but I still get it. Right. Anyways, um, is I can use my strength, less technique to help you better your technique because I'm going to be more powerful. Right. So you have to think about it differently. Right. Right. You'll eventually get out of it because you understand Maybe. the technique, but it's going to be harder for you. We definitely which then have. in turn teaches me what you're doing. So you and I will roll like we'll roll four times together. We'll do two times where it's all about you coming at me with hard strength and I got to figure out how to deal with that. And then the next two times we'll try and do a little more flow and a little more technique and we'll figure some stuff out. But uh, there's, we got cops that we roll with that literally then they're not trying to get points on you. They're not trying to submit you. They're trying to get on top and sit on top of you and not move for five minutes. And that's their whole game because their game is life and death for them. Right. When they're fighting, they want to get on top of you until another officer shows up to save their butt. Right. Great point. I need to be the fucking asshole then. You need to like, that's what I think when I'm rolling with like, I I don't know if I should say names or not, but when I'm rolling with some of the officers, I'm like, that's what I'm thinking off. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to be the bad guy trying to escape and I'm going to get out and I'm just going to get up on top. And that's what I'm going to do is I'm just going to beat him up while he's, while I'm on top of him and make him deal with it. I'll often do this with rich as a purple belt and he can whip my butt pretty regularly. Every now and then I sneak one in on him when he's not really ready for it. And just for fun, I'll like hit him on his hip and it makes him panic. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so I like every now and then, like just to see, mm-hmm. you can feel like it's just that, like, don't touch it. Don't yeah. touch that spot right there. Yeah. That, that's his gun, right? Yeah. That's his life. Exactly. Um, so you have to know who you're rolling with, right? You have to like, you have to sit, like if you're rolling with my daughter, like I'm not, I'm not going hundred percent. I'm not using all my strength, but if you're going with, who's a good person. If you're going with Calvin. Like you should probably use your strength, Marvin. Well, Marvin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Marvin. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I mean, honestly, it, don't like that's a person that you shouldn't use your strength on, right? Because then it's just two giant rhinoceroses <laughs> smashing into so, each other. <laughs> so true. <laughs> that's it. That's when you're like, okay, like I'm not. Yeah. My whole goal on this one is to not be tired at the end yeah. of this roll, and like I'm just gonna try and just technique the hell out of this and just fail miserably and just yeah. go for it. What I I have been watching some videos, and I've realized because my hips and thighs are so strong that I've really started to figure out how to get out from the bottom, mm-hmm. and really practicing that technique of like um, the roll, like where you punch mm-hmm. this way and then punch that way. God, I hate that. And you know, I really I think that's going to be my move eventually. Yep. To get out, I think I'll be really strong in that. Yeah. Piece. So. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. God, I miss it so much. I've been, there's so many moves that I've 
you know, Instagrammed or yeah. seen a video of, and I'm just like, God, I want to do this so bad. The old man sweep I found. What's the old man sweep? Uh, it's, 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 it's real slow. So I like, I really like to play with the flower sweep. Heidi mm -hmm. taught me the flower sweep and it's just, it's just been beautiful for me. It just works so well. It's you, you bait someone into one direction and when they come back the other direction, I've done it on you mm -hmm. countless times <laughs> and, and you get their arm to cross over the center oh, and then you yeah. just, and then it's slow motion. And I, oftentimes as I'm rolling you over, I go flower sweet yeah, and I get you, right, and I get right, you right. turned over. Yep. Well, it's similar to that. And it comes from the same sort of position and it's like, I want to mess around with it. Like I, I'm like, that's incredibly valuable. And I have no way to, no way to practice right. it right now. When do you think we're going to be able to roll with un unrestricted? Uh, like levels of anger are rising in me right now. Right. <laughs> like, you know, June 1st, June 1st. I, at what point, at what point do I say, I have to roll. Right. I'm either like one of two things is going to happen. I'm either never going to roll again or I have to start rolling right, right now. I don't know when that is. My brother yells at me because I ask him that question. He's like, don't be a dick. Do what you're supposed to do because you don't want to be a point of infection for everybody. Okay. I get that. I get that. But I want to roll. Like, what do you mean? point of infection for everybody like, like like i'm out in the world i'm out i'm dealing with patients that have this disease mm -hmm. the probability of me getting it probably higher than everybody else even though i'm like papered up and have every personal protection that i can possibly wear on and i shower after every call and i'd hate to be the person that got somebody sick who got somebody else sick who died <laughs> right right that would i that would be intolerable i couldn't handle that so at what point I, I would love to just have like the EMS crew, like the, the EMS crews and be right. like, we're coming in at 10 o'clock at night and we're going to roll until we can't breathe. And then we're going to take two hours and decon the whole place and walk away and only roll with those people from now on. I don't, I don't know if that's possible or not. Has, has, have, have you bounced that by the crew like Trevor and Heidi and Matt? Uh, I mean, I've mentioned it, but you know, Heidi and Matt and Trevor run a great business and they're, they're thinking about everybody I know, and they're not just thinking about me. I and, and I wish they would just think about me <laughs> and my ego. Right. 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 And I wish they put me first. Thankfully they don't because I when, know, right? when gyms do that, they fail. Yep. And Heidi and Matt and Trevor do such a phenomenal job of, job of keeping everybody balanced and keeping yep. everybody in a good mood. And we've got like heard Trevor say like the, we do. We've got the far lefters and the far riders and on the Facebooks, man, they get like, they get upset at each other. Even in our crew. Oh yeah. No shit. Oh I yeah. They get, attention to Facebook. they get pretty like, there's some times where I've like Trevor came in last week and was like, I was actually like, I was, I troll Carl a lot because I yeah. really like, oh, I really need Carl. Carl to, to beat me up again. Oh, and Carl. Carl comes in oftentimes when he's rolling with me and he takes it easy on me to let me learn something, mm -hmm. which is great. But oftentimes I want to get my ass kicked. Right. And so I know how to suffer and know how to like maintain a level of suffering under somebody that's better than me to help me think in that position. Right. And so that's what I need sometimes. And so I troll Carl a lot. <laughs> so he'll beat me up. And so I was trolling him and 
and Trevor came in and was like, are you guys okay? Do I need to separate you two? I'm like, oh man, no, we're, we're good. But then other people jumped on board and it got, it got a little feisty and, Oh, interesting. But, but it's amazing. It's breathtaking to me how there's a two by four laying on the ground. We've got mats on one side and concrete on the other side. And on the concrete, people will talk shit. And then you mm-hmm. step on that four inch piece of wood and you bow and you get on those mats. And it's your equals. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And everybody goes and is polite. And they'll help. like, what can I do to help you get that? Come on. Like, you've all, like, I'm breaking this guy's arm. And he's like, no, 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 you almost got it. You almost got it. Take, take the elbow and push it down to the hip. And, and, no, then, and right? like, I'm like, man, are, thank are you. Are you sure I'm not hurting you? <laughs> right. Oh, you know, it hurts. It, it hurts, hurts, but you're not, you're not there yet. Like yeah. it, it hurts. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. It's, it's breathtaking. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful sport, man. Yeah. I just think, and there's that ego thing, right? When people get on the mat that are, that understand what they're doing. Okay. Let's just, right. I'll put it at that. I'll put right. it at that. Not white or black, but understand they're in jujitsu, right? They put, they put that ego aside. Yeah. They do. Be, they, and ego meaning I think their politics, their job, you their have to. thing, right? If you want to learn jujitsu, you, you have to. You have to right? put your ego aside, right? Because if you don't, right. I, I see what you're saying now. Because if you don't, no one's going to train with you, right? Right. People are like, oh, piss on you, dude. I'm not dude, rolling with you. <laughs> there's dudes in there, and, and I'm not, I, I won't talk any more shit than this, that are at the same level that I am, that try to murder me in a way to hurt me. Right. Because. And you don't roll with, you're just like, eh, I'm not going to yeah, roll I'm with good. that guy today. No. I'm good. Because I don't. Yeah. I, you don't have, you don't have what I want anymore. Right. You. You have what I want. Joe has what I want. Carl has what I want. Rolling with Trevor has what I want, right? Because I know after he fucking slaughters me and just with the basic stuff, I'm going to stop and go, pull out my mouthpiece and go, how did you do that? Show me how to right. how to beat that or show me what you did so I can go do that to somebody. You and know? He, he's going to say, you fucked up a long time ago. Exactly <laughs> what he says. You fucked up a long time ago and this is where it was. Right. right. Yeah. But he's going to do that. Right. And you're yeah. going to do that. Right. And Carl's going to do that. And Rich is going to do that. I actually, I've Ron's going to do that after he has killed my jaw a million times. I I've been scolded by the upper belts that I'll do it mid roll. Like someone's, someone has the Kimura or something. I'm like, nah, like you don't like, you don't have it, man. Take, you know, fix this, fix this. And Matt has pulled me aside and like, don't, don't talk in the middle of a roll, man, get out of it, beat him up. And at the end of the roll, explain, but don't do it in the middle. He's like, it's wasting your time and it's wasting their time. And it's not valuable at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah, like, he's right. Yeah. I'm being, I'm being too nice, too nice. Right. I don't need you to be too nice. Right. right. I need you to beat the fuck out of me or get out of the move. And then we stop and we discuss right. after the, two minutes or the I still five do it minutes though. or whatever. I get new guys all the time that they go like in side control and they don't put any pressure on your chest at all. And you're like, you see, you hear how I'm talking and there's like no stress whatsoever in my voice. Like you have to fix that, change that. And I'm not, we're not going to move from this position until you can change that. There we go. That's all right. There we go. And then you roll them. <laughs> now let's go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's so you think June one? I fuck. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. I hope. Yeah. I hope that's all I can do. Because we have to as hope much as expectation. I, as much as I agree with some of that stuff, like we, we don't want to get other people sick. Like I get that fundamentals, 
right? But it's it's here, and it's not going away. And there's, I know this is my only political thing that. Well, I don't know if it's my only. Thing, but hospitals are empty. Not all hospitals. Not are empty, all, but, but yeah, you okay. understand what I'm saying, yeah. right? Um, and it's here. We're not gonna. If we pussyfoot around it for the, we can't pussyfoot around it for the rest of our lives. Right. We've got to get after it, and we've got to start living our lives again. Right. And part of my life is jujitsu. And it's also it's it's very different for a low belt at you know forties and fifties versus a you know a brown belt at twenty or whatever mm-hmm. whatever you know these kids are. Right. Like if they take a year off, they're they're going to like now, instead of being 25, they'll be 26 when they right. start rolling again. But now instead of being 49, I'm going to be 51 instead. And I'm right. like, yeah. like that gets like, it becomes more and more difficult. Yeah. And I, I fear that I, I'm really afraid of that, but I, I mean, I hope all I can do is hope. Yeah. All I, I mean, can do is hope that it comes back sooner than later and that we can, we can figure out a way to get rolling again. Yeah, and I and I think you'll I think you'll be a good point of contact in the sense of like I think I think they need to talk to the people that see it, right? What's going on? You know, I I appreciate that they're following the rules of the governor and all that stuff, but at some point we have to say, okay. July 1. Let's just use that one as opposed to June 1, right? July okay. 1. All classes on <clears throat> as is, you know. We're going to take temperatures at the door right. and do it for some extra precautions. But if you feel like shit, don't come in. Please don't come in. But that's always been jujitsu. Like if you feel like shit, don't come to class. Yeah. Like you, you see even a year ago, somebody came in and they're like snotting all over the place. Get, get the hell out of here, bro. What are you doing? I'm not rolling with you. But they still do. I mean, Sometimes. Do, you know. They, I've seen, I mean, they've been kicked out of our gym before. Like, dude, go away. Come back tomorrow or the next day. Take, take some time off. Um seeing what I see, like it, like I try to temper what comes out, but like if you've seen somebody suffering at high levels from respiratory disease or being innovated from this disease and they're youngish, but they had asthma pretty bad, like that's, that's a difficult image to get out of your head. And then when somebody says, Hey, you know, you want to roll? Like, I don't, that's the image that I see. Like I see that, I see those patients in the emergency room that are suffering and you're just like, I don't think like I want to roll. Yeah. But I don't want to even risk for a second making you or your family look like that person that I just saw. And that those images are tough to, to overcome for me, for me. Sounds like, um, take some mushrooms and (laughs) fix that. You know what? (laughs) Like the way you think. And then let's roll. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Joe. I appreciate um, your time and sharing your story. I can't wait to have you on some more and talk more about this stuff. That was good. That was scary. Um, That was, that was awesome, man. We went for a a good amount of time. So I really thank you for that. And um, thank you to the one listener for listening and remember um, perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Thanks everybody. Bye.